welcome to Trek Companion. This is episode 275. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I am Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we're going to kick off Star Trek Discovery's third season with the episodes That Hope Is You and Far From Home. Is Spider-Man in this episode? (laughs) Here we go. Star Trek Discovery Season 3 cast includes Sonequa Martin-Green as Michael Burnham, Doug Jones as Saru, Anthony Rapp as Paul Stamets, Mary Wiseman as Sylvia Tilly, David Ayala as Cleveland Book Booker, Wilson Cruz as Hugh Colbert, and Rachel and Cheryl as Non. That Hope is You Part 1, Season 3, Episode 1, original release date October 15th. 2020. Directed by Olatunde Osinsanmi, written by Michelle Paradise, Jenny Lumet, and Alex Kurtzman. Guest cast include Adil Hussein as Aditya Sahil, Nicole Dickinson as Hadley, Riley Gilchrist as Endorian Regulator, Julian Grossman as Sanctuary Voice, Brandon McGilbin as Etik, Jake Michaels as Other, Fabio Tasson as Books Ship Computer, David Benjamin Tomlinson as Cosmo Trite. <laughs> After traveling to the future to protect sensitive information from control, an artificial intelligence destined to destroy all life, Michael Burnham arrives in the year 3188 and learns that she was successful. Life exists in the future. Burnham crashes into the ship of Cleveland Booker, a courier transporting stolen cargo. He explains an event called the Burn. Most of the galaxy's dilithium exploded, destroying many starships and most of Starfleets. Now the galaxy is dis- disconnected and no longer governed by the United Federation of Planets. Hope is a powerful thing. Sometimes it's the only thing. Our numbers are few. Our spirit is undiminished. If there are others out there, we'll find them. All right, Discovery Season 3. <laughs> so this is certainly the most uh, recent Star Trek we've ever discussed. <laughs> well, I guess that's not true. I mean, we talked about a couple of movies right after they came out, but certainly the most recent show uh, Star Trek that we've discussed. Uh, as we all recall, considering how new it is, they wrapped production on this season just like two or three weeks before the pandemic started shutting everything down which meant they did all the post-production on this season. Everybody was working from home, which is still baffles. I mean, it's just amazing that they did that. We, you read about like Jeff Russo recording the score by recording every, <laughs> every member of the orchestra separately. You know, they recorded themselves and he, he had to mix it all together. This is nuts. Or sending the actors motion capture kits into their houses so they could get pickup shots and i mean this is it's, it's all crazy to me that they that they pulled that off but that's not what we're here to talk about what we're here to talk about is the show and uh steve why don't you start us on this one i'd kind of rather talk about the pandemic's effect on the production than <laughs> no, but um so anyway yeah so obviously this was a, a big shift i mean we knew from the last episode of season two that this was one of these you know they're they're going off into the a far future we've never you know dealt with this time not really in star trek canon this far forward and so i i, I say I, I really like the opening of this episode i thought that was interesting it's like where is this going um that was fun and then kind of after that i i kind of um I don't know. I felt sort of bland the whole episode. I didn't. I just didn't really feel much about it. Um, 
I, I'm not going to say that it was due to um, the production in any sense. I felt like that was really solid. It felt like this whole way. I felt like man, this is this is really you know professional. It's cut well together. It's it's uh, you know steady and so forth. But it, it felt um, so non Star Trek that um, it, it was it was kind of baffling and a little you know it's hard it's hard to stay in in it or whatever. Right? I mean, it's not it's not awful in that respect. It's just you know, not, not what we're kind of here for. Right. Um, but anyway, I, you know, sure they're, they're taking a chance going forward like this, doing something interesting, some very, uh, a very awe inspiring, you know, scenery, I suppose. And some, it's really nice to look at, um, an interesting kind of, um, you know, the, in these trying, trying to put together what could have happened. One, th- one thing that kind of bothers me about, uh, among many about this about this season this episode in particular perhaps but is whenever there's kind of this like wow portable transporters like what do you think would be going on if you jump 900 years like there you know it's like just portable transporters like that's so baffling or the control interface on a ship or something it's like it should be so foreign that we can barely wrap our heads around it if you're jumping 900 years forward from you know, the 22nd century. Or Realistically, century. the people in Burnham's original time probably shouldn't even be talking like we talk today, but definitely. You wouldn't be able to understand each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 900, they jump 900 years in the future. They shouldn't be able to understand each other. But, yeah. you know, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, you yeah, know yeah. that's probably part of it, just a normal Star Trek. Right, you know, something right. You accept in Star Trek, I suppose. Right, right, right. And as we've discussed, these are the kinds of things that you just let go when when an episode is solid enough to, you know, occupy you and um, think about those things. But anyway, it's um, it's certainly a unique entrance into a season. I certainly agree. Stuff like the set design when they when they visit the you know book and Burnham visit that town, you know, it was cool. It was cool. The action set piece when they when they're escaping and they're kind of doing their quick little transports and the security team's following them and transport somewhere else. Security team follows them. That was cool. I, I don't I don't remember seeing that type of scene that sequence in any other star trek you know before so that that was fun i think overall i I agree with you that it's a very odd episode if you look at it in context of star trek but um we'll get to that uh adam your first thoughts yeah i'm pretty much in line with you guys um yeah the production value on this show is really cool obviously you you know they did some really really cool location shooting for both these episodes that we're going to be talking about mostly this one but you know it looks like they went to a maybe they did a great blue screen in the next episode or we'll get to that but yeah the them going on location to shoot these really cool um you know scenic you know location shots that's something that's usually just reserved for um trek movies so it's it's cool to see it in an episode in an episode and um you know the effects are great i you know not i think we can go back long long way throughout this whole show i mean like we all kind of that's one thing that we kind of all find there's a great positive about this show is just how fantastic it looks now i will i will question some of their action sequences and definitely some in this season if i recall correctly but yeah the show looks great as far as the story goes it's you know it's it's different. It, um, I agree with Steve. It's not, you know, if you were just jumping into it, it wouldn't feel like a Star Trek show, other than the fact that, you know, they had people talking about Starfleet throughout this episode and the kind of the almost the orig- religious aspect of Trek. We see that with the um, the, the, the the last watch on the, the guy on the space station. I like Book. Um, I really I enjoyed the character Book. I mean, it's a 
it's a nice change from um, Tyler. Um, I enjoyed Book throughout the season. I feel like him and Burnham are they've got good chemistry together. It Grudge fits. would yeah. be a nice change from Tyler. <laughs> but I mean he's actually good. It's not like he's just good because it's not Tyler. It, it it's good. It fits well. You know, it's a interesting character they play, you know, they kind of trick you there, like, you know, he's some, you know, you know, not a villain, but I mean, you know, he's a courier and he does nefarious things, but by the end of it, you know, you find out that he's transporting endangered species. To- yeah, my only problem there is if my memory is, and we'll find out as we go, but my memory is like these cool things that make him unique that they set up, like this way that he communicates with the plants and the water, all those kind of things. I don't remember there being much of that later in the season. I feel like maybe he became a little more generic as the season went on, but maybe maybe I'm remembering wrong. Yeah, I, I think it comes up some again later on, but well, like I said, we'll get there. But yeah, I mean, overall, I mean, you know, what we ended with last, the last, ep, you know, our, the last episode and then our last podcast, we, I kind of, I felt kind of bad at what we got off. I'm like, I felt like we were really, really, I don't feel like we'd ever been that negative about it. Yeah, Star again, Trek I cut out some <laughs> <laughs> of the, from our last episode. I Again, I felt like we just went too far and I, and I just cut some out. So, yeah, listeners, yeah, I mean, it was worse than it sounded. <laughs> so, episode so 274 we, so is we, like 20 minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> so, here we are, 930 plus years in the future, whatever, 3188 um you know when i when i thought about this the first round i'm like well i guess it makes sense because really what were they going to do with discovery and the timeline that they were going into i mean i I don't know i think they boxed themselves into a corner just from the get-go with with discovery and what are you going to do with that ship and that crew in this timeline that nobody's ever heard about or you know so Okay, so one thing, talking about this episode is not necessarily feeling like Star Trek. Another way to explain that would be you could take literally this exact script, change just a few lines, and it could be a pilot to some generic, to any generic, I shouldn't say generic, but just to a different not Star Trek sci-fi show. This episode actually feels like a pilot, um, whether or not you feel it, think it's Star Trek. It feels like they're just a pilot for a brand new show. Well, I mean, in a way, it's a it's a reboot of the show. I mean, you know, we're in what, this is season three, and it almost feels like a reboot from what we've seen the last two years. Yeah, hundred percent. I'm trying to watch it in that context because we there was so much baggage by the end of season two, so many things that we did not like that were not good, and. This is like a f- fresh start, you know, a, a chance to wipe the slate clean and start over. This episode doesn't may not feel much like Star Trek. I think the next one we're going to discuss feels a little bit more like Star Trek, uh, the second episode of this third season. My my kind of issue, kind of with the whole season, the whole story arc that we're we'll have plenty of opportunities to discuss this as the season goes. But just as kind of a as a general statement, if you step back and think about it, this is. This is like the darkest setup for any Star Trek. This is the darkest setup for, I mean, I can't name something else quite this dark. Maybe, maybe Enterprise Season 3, the Zindi Arc thing, you know, the idea that they were going to destroy Earth. But this is more than that. This is this is post-apocalypse. That's what this series season is, right? This is after the apocalypse and the Federation and everything is gone. We've talked about it before. I've heard people say this same thing. But, you know, what what is it that makes Star Trek endure? What is the thing that makes us love it so much? And in a, in a fundamental way, it's this idea of the hopeful future that 
you know, that humankind is going to always evolve for the better and become better. And you see that in the original Star Trek series and in each subsequent series. And this season of Discovery is saying in the distant future, when if you've tried to plot a line of, you know, <laughs> quality of life and quality of the galaxy from each time period of all the different shows, it would be steadily improving. This show is this season of Discovery is saying that at a certain point that falls off the cliff and there's an apocalypse and everything is awful. And that is kind of just disappointing in such a fundamental way as a Star Trek lover, as a lover of Star Trek. And that makes it hard for me to find that joy, that find those things that, that I love about Star Trek in this. I'm not going to harp on this constantly, but I wanted to, for this first time talking about it, kind of explain it in a little bit more detail. But it's just kind of, it's something that's just kind of there the whole time. Well, I think part of the problem with that we're going to find in the season, because it's not been long since we've all watched it. I mean, I think there are still some themes that generate in this season that we've seen in the past two seasons. Obviously, you have this burn. There's another, there's this, another galaxy-wide catastrophe that only discovery can um you know fix and it's just you know and it's embodied into a season you know it's just kind of a you know it's a repeat of the same themes you know there's you know like the red symbols and you know control is gonna you know we talked all about this so there's that same theme that's gonna run through this season that they're still kind of stuck on by the time we get to the end of the <laughs> i don't i don't want to get too but part two yeah i was writing the synopsis i'm like oh this is part one and where's part two and it's oh it's all the way at the end of the season but by the end of the season you know we find sorry are we doing spoilers um, for this what's the what's the yeah reason? let's just make it official right now uh we're gonna spoil things from season three so by the end of the season you know michael burnham's finally sitting in the captain chair and it actually kind of feels like the show's getting started by the end of this season where it was kind of felt like it should have begun so i we'll see how the journey goes up but I, I will say this i remember liking season three less than i like season two obviously i if you listen to the last couple episodes i've liked season two less the second time around so yeah it's hard to imagine still feeling that way by the end of season three because already like these first two episodes we're discussing today just from but this is that's what happened before like by the end of season one we we're like oh they spent all this time in the mirror universe pointlessly and then this happened that happened we missed the whole klingon war it wasn't that was supposed to be important uh, and then we were so happy at the beginning of season two and they reset everything, you know, and there were a couple of good episodes. And then by the end of the season two, we're like, all right, so now we're starting season three. They've reset it. And we're like, okay, I feel better about this. I mean, I certainly was able to enjoy these episodes a heck of a lot more than the last few of yeah. season two. But um, Steve, I'm curious for your thoughts on that kind of just more fundamental critique I had about this being the first time Star Trek's presented post-apocalypse and that apocalypse being you know, way off in the future, kind of implying, uh, you know, all the other shows, all the other Federation efforts and, and all the crews we've ever seen, they all failed to make the world a better place, to make the galaxy a better place. I don't know. Right, right. I mean, I think I, I think the the issue here is that anytime we've seen anything like that, there's been a glimmer, a glimmer of hope. But I'm not saying there's no no hope here. It's just that there's kind of like a big problem or a big issue. And then you get this kind of light where it's like, okay, now our core group is somehow bringing light to this darkness in some respect. And you don't get that at least initially. And, and it's, and it feels, it feels like they're just trying to do something that I feel like we've kind of been on a, um, 
on, on a, on a, uh, a progression of this where it's kind of like, you know what, let's, there's this, there's this misconception that we've got to get dark to be cool. It's like this dark to be cool thing. Like we, if we get, uh, uh, you know, post-apocalyptic, if we get dystopian, then it's interesting or something, you know, but there's a way to be interesting and still adhere to the core notion of, of what got us here in some respect. And I'm not knocking this and like saying it's awful or something, but I think the why it doesn't feel Trek is because it's, 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 um, there's this lack of a, a core, we can make everything better kind of thing, you know? I mean, I think, I think if they would have focused more on, I think that's probably why I like the, the opening so much and, and the conclude uh, the opening more than the rest of it and the conclusion, the notion of a, of one individual sitting there trying to adhere to some kind of ideal you know, even though nothing's happening and then coming back to that, I like that it's and it's, and this is a theme we're seeing more and more. You talk about the seasons beginning where we have this idea of, Hey, the new direction, let's go. And then we're kind of like, uh, by the end it's because the, the concept is good. It's just the execution is lacking in some respect, you know, and I, I don't, I don't know how to solve that. It's, 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 I don't think everything has to be upbeat and, you know, joyful all the time. It's just that, um, you, you've got to think what, what do you feel like at the end of this episode? And like I said, at the beginning, I I felt like so nothing during most, most of this. It was just kind of like, I'm not gonna say it's bad. I'm just not getting anything out of this. You know, I'm not feeling it. I agree with you, Steve, about the, you know, the opening, you know, you have this, you have this guy on the station, you know, and he's devoted to Starfleet and we get more of that story at the end of it. But I was started, I started to think, I'm like, unless you've been watching Star Trek for 30 years, would you have any emotional impact from this? Or would you think this guy's nuts because he said he's been there for 40 years? Well, I, I watched the beginning and see him there and it reminded me of, <laughs> reminded me of the run where David like Battlestar. Remember how that opens? Well, the, yeah. the miniseries opens with a guy, you yeah. know, that's really dark. He's been, these guys going there and just uh, whatever it was, every 40 years, they get set up for this meeting and then the other the people, oh, no, once a year, right? And then they never show, they never show, they never show. And then something bad happens. That doesn't happen here, but but until the end of this episode and you know what what was actually going on, you know, you don't have that context. But I will say, and I, and I know it was a completely melodramatic, cheap shot at my heartstrings, but it did work a little bit whenever, sure. you know, she's like, oh, I... I um, commission you and they shake hands and it's a really cool shot like where they shake hands and they put their each their second hands it's nice and the flag comes down the flag we all love it you know that that moment did work for me it was good yeah but the only thing I was thinking is like would that work for somebody who hasn't been fan for decades decades? what if you're new to the show like I almost would kind of feel like it would be almost hokey to new viewers because he literally they had 40 years he gets up and he just sits at that desk doesn't, Wouldn't he you know, be kind of nuts? Yeah, we're saying he's like, lived there by himself all this time or something? Yeah, that's right. a little fanatical. I kind of so I, I guess what I was trying to say, Steve, is like I w- kind of wish they would have delved into that character a little bit more because all the stuff in the middle is kind of generic. It's like okay, we're gonna we're gonna steal some dilithium and we're gonna run from the yeah, bad yeah. guys and that kind of thing. It's generic. I I really think the story would have been more interesting to kind of delve into why Starfleet is so needed and so. Yeah. beloved in the galaxy and i don't think they touched enough on that well that's what they're going to do through the season but yes yeah. i honestly think they don't they don't they don't 
pick their battles enough. You know what I mean? They, 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 when they try to appeal to too many people is, is where it goes off, off the track because like, sure, not everybody has watched 30 plus years of Trek and knows all the history, but a lot of people have, I mean, if you make it just right for those people, I think that's a, that's a, that's a better angle to take at all this. than if you try to make, let's make a fun action adventure thing, that's going to appeal to everybody and then throw in a little bit of spice for those who, no track i mean that's it's just okay you know green was a lot of fun when <laughs> in this episode you know when they got her i mean it's it's like i said it's easy generic but she did it well when they got her i guess they hit her with the truth serum it's, that was fun oh right right. i'm sure yeah she, yeah, really, she looked like she was having fun to yeah. pulling all that off you know, like i said something, she was good in this episode something different for her to do mm-hmm. uh, what's this episode about obviously there's a transition this is a transitional episode um, from one thing to a new thing. So that's kind of the, it's kind of the theme that you get when you're, when you're going into this um, new beginnings, new trust, new friends, new trust. I mean, you know, uh, you know, when you're, you have to learn to trust yourself and come down, Mr. Scott, young minds, fresh ideas yeah. <laughs> and trust those around you. Because I mean, that's the beginning relationships of, um, you know, Michael and book and, how that works out and how they've learned to trust each other. I, I, I wish, you know what I wish they would ask that question to the, the writing <laughs> team before they start. You know, I think that would make all this better when this whole thing we come back to, like, what's this episode about? And I don't think we've had a coherent answer for like, uh, like a, I don't know, half a year or something. I feel, I feel like almost doing you know, these podcasts. I feel, I feel like we had, we had one really good coherent answer in season two. And that was the episode where they, you know, went to the colony. Yeah. Yeah. That was great. Well, if you, you know, remember and, this, and the Saru thing too, was this good. whole question came from that's what Michael Pillar would ask when writers would come into his office, yep, and pitch stories for episodes of Next Gen. He would stop them and say, "No, what's it about?" And then they would go back into plot stuff, and he would stop them again and say, "No, no, what's it about?" He was asking them that question before they were even writing the scripts. I still think that has value because I'm not sure. saying this is awful, but I'm saying that when you ask me that, what's this about? I, I just make up a bunch of nonsense. I mean, I can say like, well, you know, it's interesting that at the end he's, oh, books, a conservationist or whatever. Oh, great. And then uh, new beginnings and uh, searching for our crew and all this crap. And it just goes, you know, I don't know. Well, there's more. It's more. It's, what's the theme of this show? It's not what it's about. There are themes, and that that's what I kind of feel like. You know, you should almost redefine the the question, Brian. What's no. the theme <laughs> of this? What's the theme of this episode? Because that's that's kind of what I feel like they're. That's what they're doing. They're not really saying anything or giving us a coherent direction. Kind of what you were talking about, Steve. They they try to. It seems like they're trying to entertain too many people. They're trying to entertain us old folkies who've been watching forever, and they're trying to get the young kids in and 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 it's a whole new audience and it just yeah this is market kind of- yeah we're in the age of market segmentation to the nth degree so just do that you know if you make a perfect product for a very small amount of people that's the best you can do you know and it's, it's just kind of this generic thing all right let's do six degrees for that hope is you steve are you going first or second i'll go first nicole dickinson plays the orion hadley who has no interest in purchasing Booker's antique tech. She previously played Colt, the alien yeoman assigned to the Enterprise in the final two episodes of Discovery's second season. Name them. And that was a part one and part two. So oh. I'm looking for three words. Oh, goodness. How is your two-week memory retention? The last two episodes of the second season of Discovery. 
Such sweet sorrow. Yes, sir. Steve has one. Moving on. That was close. I could tell. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know where that came from. Far From Home, Season 3, Episode 2. Original release date, October 22nd, 2020. Directed by Olatunde Asensanmi. Written by Michelle Paradise, Jenny Lumet, and Alex Kurtzman. Guest cast include Michelle Yeoh as Philippe Georgiou. Tig Notaro as Jet Reno, Jake Weber as Zara, Emily Coots as Kayla Detmer, Patrick Kwakshun as Jen Reese, Oyan Oladehu as Joanne Owasekun, Ro- Ronnie Roy Jr. as R.A. Bryce, Sarah Midich as Nilsson, uh, Ole Daramola as Red Eyes, Raven Dauda as Tracy Pollard, Kevin Case as Lookout, Jonathan Kunzgen as Cat, Lindsay Owen Pierre as Osir, Adrian Pavone as Ensign Hazmat, and David Benjamin Tomlinson as Linus. Discovery emerges from its time travel and crash lands on a glacier of the nearest planet. The ship is damaged and crew members are wounded, including Helm Officer Kyla Detmer. Acting Captain Saru decides to repair the ship before exploring the outside world but they learn that they are missing resources that they require to complete the repairs. Saru and Ensign Tilly go to the nearby settlement to get resources they need and find a group of poor miners being oppressed by a courier named Ziri. Why did you ask me to accompany you, sir? I needed an engineer. The ship's full of engineers. Giorgio is an engineer. An engineer I can trust. She thinks I'm useless. She's concerned for Michael and lacks the self-awareness to control her behavior in such an unsettled state. We are introducing ourselves to the future. You, Anson Tilly, are a wonderful first impression. Adam, kick us off on this one. So yeah, we get to kind of the second part of what happened to, you know, we found out what happened to Burnham in the last episode. Now we kind of, here we are finding out what happens to Discovery. Again, um, I, you know, I'll, I'll re- reiterate this. Um, um, Discovery coming out of its time travel, time warp, the wormhole, whatever you want to call you know, whatever they were calling it in this episode. Um, it's really cool. They're coming through. There's kind of these chunks of the planet. It's a, kind of a, you know, frantic scene after everybody's woken up and they're trying to get the ship under control. It busts through an asteroid and then it crash lands on the on the planet into a glacier i gotta say it's a it's a pretty cool sequence effects wise and it, it looks cool and it's um kind of it's fun you know it's kind of harkens back to generations when um enterprise crashed but you know it's kind of what it felt like but it just looked really cool um and then it kind of gets into then it kind of gets into you know kind of almost normal trek you know they're on a planet they gotta make repairs there's um people on the ship doing their thing and then you get you know tilly and saru going out to get um supplies and this very you know gorgeous scenery i mean you know they they did a great job on location shooting for these first two episodes um and you know we get into the the saloon and you know we kind of have a fight out you know it's kind of old western sci-fi kind of scripts i know we were talking about um the last episode it's kind of generic in the middle this one is kind of generic in the middle as well. Um, you got a bad guy who's oppressing miners. Um, Starfleet's gone, and you know, are they gonna you know protect the villagers? You know, because you had those themes throughout this episode. So 
obviously, to me, if, I think you guys would agree, it felt more like a Star Trek episode. We obviously have Discovery and the uniforms and kind of all the glitz and glamour of, of what goes on with most Star Trek shows. But yeah, I, I, I think it's a solid show, a solid episode, rather. One of the things that stood out for me in this episode was the way that everybody got paired off and it was, and they were very uh, revealing pairings. Saru and Tilly, Stamets and Jet, Giorgio and Commander Non had a scene. I mean, I suppose the previous episode was really Book and Burnham, but I thought it was interesting the way kind of those, those pairings and kind of longer scenes with them brought out new things in the characters. Uh, Steve, uh, your, your first thoughts here? Yeah, I like that too. I liked getting some um, getting some character uh, background through those pairings. I like that. Um, one thing that struck me was the kind of the Western stuff was a little bit heavy handed. I, I get kind of tired of things that try to like throw it in your face, like, hey, we're going to make this like a Western. And then it's almost like they even play the music that makes you feel like a Western in certain scenes when they walk through the, I don't know. It, it, it's fine. Yeah, it's well, like just, that, that close up on Zara's boots when he arrives yeah, and the camera yeah. pulls back and he comes through the, the double doors. Yeah. He just, just needed a black hat. That's all there was missing. Right, right. At least I like that you feel like that sequence, they could have, they could have, you know, spanned that over two episodes or something. Yeah, true. And Tilly doesn't even actually leave to go get the Deliathem as he requests. It just ends there right. as soon as Giorgio gets there. So I like that they true, stopped her. Anyway, sorry, continue. Right. No, no, I, I hear you. And I really liked, um, you know, Stamets and Jet Reno, I, I really enjoy seeing them together. Now, one thing that struck me as it was going is like 88 people came along. That guy <laughs> said like that that guy is cleaning up um, pieces of, you know, Leland, dead control Leland <laughs> and he's just like along for the ride why did he come I mean, <laughs> I mean, 88 people you know it's nuts I don't come who's gonna clean up the ship yeah, yeah so they I'm need me in the future and go I to, have yeah. to abandon my family lunacy I mean that's <laughs> I mean I know we talked about this too no episodes, yeah no it's know, nuts it's it's banana pants I mean, yeah, yeah but, but it was funny crazy. he said my name is I don't even remember what his name no, nobody yeah. remembers what his name yeah. is but he had to call it but no everybody's just acting like normal you know they're yeah, walking yeah, along yeah. and it's like oh by the way don't forget you've abandoned everybody you've ever known right uh, remember all those people you went to Starfleet Academy with for years gone forever actually they've been dead long dead long yeah dead. yeah well, don't they get in that with with detmer isn't that kind of her issue she kind of has some shell shock that we kind of get to explore oh uh, yeah i episodes. don't even remember anymore <laughs> it's, it's kind of like jet reno saying that i, I already forgot that yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. anyway yeah so and of course uh Giorgio, you know when when that's always fun to see her come in and just say anyway, but it's, um, that's, that we, that's consistent. That's throughout the whole series that she's been fun with that. Um, yeah, I like this episode better than the last one. There's a lot of good things going on. I'm not going to say it's bad or anything. Um, it's interesting. And then when, and then when it wraps, and I know we'll get to this, this whole, uh, yes, Burnham has been there a year. It feels so much like, yes, yes, yes. We're supposed to be shocked. We've seen this before. Why didn't we make it like a decade or something interesting, you know, that she's been yeah. there? I don't know, something. Yeah, but, yeah well, we'll whatever. get into that. I remember that being annoying. Like, she's right. It's yeah, like, oh, how gonna... clever. We, like, we haven't seen this before, you know, anyway. But but overall, I enjoy this episode. It, it's the the stuff the stuff with the, this the cruelty of this this crew that come in this you know 
bar essentially or whatever and killing people with their crazy weapons yeah, it's very graphic yeah, and painful. Graphic. Yes. Yeah. As opposed to the last episode where they're like pulling out what looks to me like the matrix of leadership from Transformers the movie and blasting <laughs> people. But it anyway. just pushes people back. Yes, huh? yes. Yeah. So, anyway. so, Brian, are you going to comment on the almost F-bomb? I was grateful that it wasn't there. <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming they shot it and just cut away from it. Well, I think that was the joke. It was. Yeah, the, right. That was, that was the joke. Yeah. Like, hey, we're listening to people. Now, I want to let's talk about the ending. We, we we can jump around because I was surprised. So I didn't feel that way as negatively as it sounds like you two did. You you thought it was cheesy to say Burnham's been there for a year. I remember watching the the season and going, she's whining, for lack of a better word, that she kind of just seems very out of it. And it didn't one year doesn't seem like that long to me. It's like the way they kind of present her mental like oh i haven't seen all these people for so long and i'm so out of it it's, they should have made it five years or more hmm. one year one year's kind of like nothing and that's kind of what what kind of made it goofy for me i don't know if steve can kind of say what it's you feel the same way or is it yeah i kind of i kind of agree with that because it, it should be one way or the other either you don't bring it up and then it be and then it kind of unfolds in the next episode where oh by the way we've been searching for you for sev several months and you, you just got here and okay whatever or you make it extremely dramatic with something like five to ten years or something like that and you you roll off it i, I mean i don't hate it or something it just felt like a, a stunt you know, yeah, whenever it, they do something that's like a stunt and it doesn't pay off, that I'm kind of like, ah, okay, fine. You know, it's like what you were saying, Steve. It's not executed properly because if now I remember because Burnham, you know, for these first several episodes, Burnham has issues. You know, she's having trouble getting back into her Starfleet game. Yeah. You know, does she want to go out and live the free life with her and Book, or you know, she she feels apart. If I, I think right. those are the themes that we have going on, and to me, it just felt exact perfect words, Steve, cheap because it's like you've only been there a year. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, that would have been an easy, that's just an easy writing fix. It's just like, okay, make it five years. And that's, that's a long time. Five years is a long time. One year, well, it's not, it's, it's just yeah. the weight of it just didn't match for what, for what. And I acknowledge that it could be one of these kind of age things. Like the more you've seen and the more you've been around, the more it feels like a short amount of time kind of thing too. And also that you, to me, you can't help but compare it with like Battlestar in that season you know, oh, yeah, they and that, that was more was, than a year. Wasn't and it? that was so, that was uh, very eloquent and it was mm -hmm. more than a year and it was 15 years ago when they did that. And, and, and that's why I think, you know, it feels, well, I said the previous yeah. episode, the opening reminded me, reminded me of Battlestar. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 I guess it didn't bother me quite as much as you guys, you know, Una McCormick, I think is her name. She wrote a book that tells the story of what happened to Burnham during that year, Burnham and books adventures, I guess. That just came out a month or two ago. I haven't read it. I, I read a review of it. I, I still plan to read it. The reviews I read, they were basically, it's good. It's, it's entertaining. But it does feel like she's happened to go out of her way to not do anything that could step on future things that, you know, in the season. So nothing really tangible happens. They just have adventures. Yeah. I mean, I still, I still kind of want to read it. <laughs> I do. I, I'm sure I will. But yeah, it'd be interesting to see. You know, I don't know. They could have done, I, like, I remember that they don't, but they could have done like flashbacks or something, right? Of things that happened. Maybe they will. Maybe in season four, we'll jump back and see some things during, during her time uh, before Discovery arrived. Yeah. I don't think it, I don't think that bothered me the way it did you. It gave them a chance to, for her to uh, change her hair, which was good. I like her hair. <laughs> You know, I know Tilly is frequently used as the comic relief, 
but she does make me laugh. That bit when in the bar, when Saru says his name and then Tilly says and my name, her her name, and then she says my name lacks authority. <laughs> it's funny. She's funny. Um, and the, that scene when Saru and Tilly are walking to the Western bar and um, he explains that he brought her along because she, you know, they're introducing their, themselves to the future and she makes a wonderful first impression. That's, that's a very sweet scene. And that's a, you know, very insightful moment into her character and her role on the ship and really the show and how Saru sees her. And, you know, I like that. That was the best moment in this episode for me. I think what's so interesting about Saru is these that he's kind of like the perfect captain that can't really be a captain in a series. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? He he does everything right. He epitomizes the ideals of the Federation. He has emotional intelligence. He he can be tough when he needs to be. And yet you also know that it really couldn't like you know, that character couldn't lead a whole series all the way through. And I, I think that's interesting. I th- It's almost like a commentary about entertainment in, 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 in the sense that it's, it's not, it's not the same as reality, right? This is not some kind of docudrama, like if, like who would be the best boss or something. And that's who you get as a thing. No, it's, it's just not interesting enough. And so you, and so that, that's Saru for you. He, you know, we, we see him as such a great leader almost all the time. I mean, he, he develops, he's got, he's got all this, the background and so on, but uh, he can't ever really be that. He reminds me of more of a, professor or teacher kind of sure. in, in his role that's kind of how he that's the, kind of the, uh, the the authoritarian authoritarian energy that i get from him that he's professorial he's thoughtful though you know he takes a moment the end of the episode when burnham's arrived and tractor beans them out and they don't know it's burnham and he's given options basically weapons shields or you want to they're hailing us you want to talk to him you know what um he think there's a there's a beat there when he's clearly thinking about it and he's being thoughtful and he decides open the hailing oh is this isn't this is the season where he's trying to get his phrase you know like engage or hit it he's oh, he experimenting yeah. with that sometime this season it, it reminds me of um we all love spock spock's you, you can argue he's the greatest fictional character ever created and as steve has said he's the heart of star trek and without him you couldn't have him but imagine in the original series you know there's a reason he's the xo he lacks just a couple of qual. He's the perfect XO. He's the perfect person to analyze these things and offer this data to the captain and help the captain make the decisions. But there's some extra quality there that he lacks that Kirk has, uh, and I, and that's 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 where Saru is. Like he doesn't have that that one little extra thing. And that's the development of uh, Burnham this year, going from mm-hmm. this raw Kirk to a refined ready to sit in the captain's chair by the end of the season. So that's kind of the journey that we'll take. I think I'll like this season a little bit more because I think the I think we get a better arc for Burnham in this in this season where she where she starts and where she ends. And maybe the things that Steve and I were complaining about earlier. It's not a big deal. It's just a year. It just kind of felt like there was just yeah. a, a writing snafu. Like I said, it's not that big a deal. So but I do feel like the journey, the Burnham journey and this season is probably more is pro, it's 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 probably good you know where she starts and where she ends and it goes to your point where you're talking about Saru and, and Spock i mean Burnham is is Kirk in that scenario and you know that scenario right you know she's very raw and you know 
all over the place, but she has that, that captain, that captain energy, the leader energy that maybe that we're not seeing quite as much from Saru. Well, like when you see there's, there's a couple of moments in this episode where Giorgio stands up to Saru and he kind of wins in the end, but it's not particularly decisive. You know, it does. It feels like she could still turn right around and knock him out. I'll just shoot her with his spikes, his tech spikes. <laughs> yeah. I like that. I, I like, and it has to be Giorgio, right? There's anybody else. There's still Starfleet and they, they can't stand up to him that way. But it's not like she's saying wrong things necessarily. It's just not the Starfleet way or whatever, but... Well, that's the nice thing about her character. How often do you get, you know, maybe in DS9 right, yeah. with with Kira standing up to Cisco? But how often yep. did you get, um, you get like a main character who's just really goes toe to toe? Yeah, I mean, it literally never happened in, in Next Gen, right? Right. Pretty much never happened in Voyager, although. Yeah, Kira and Cisco maybe, would be maybe the, could have, but yeah, yeah, would be the most comparable that I could think of. What is this episode about? Parasitic ice. Well, you know they're trying to hold to their values. The star, the Starfleet value. That's the name of my new rock band, by the way. Parasitic ice. <laughs> I guess what they're trying to say here: can you can you hold true to your values even at even at your darkest time or in your darkest peril? You know, um, and that's that's the point that Saru, you know, was making with um, Giorgio in the in the ready room, and you kind of see that, you know, in, in the Western bar, you know, we're gonna we're gonna stand by our principles, and we're gonna do the right thing. I think that's what they were trying to relate. That was the theme throughout this episode that I caught. Yeah, at least they had they had something we can cling to here, and that that is that we're holding to a Federation ideal when the Federation as we know it doesn't exist anymore. I mean, we're several hundred years plunging into the future and what's the point why are we even trying there would be no excuse to do so we could do whatever we want but instead they choose to stick to an ideal so i think i think the notion of i like that notion of we're, we're sticking to an ideal when it when there's no reason for the outside world to even acknowledge that that's when it really matters and that that's sure they could have solidified that a little bit more than what they did but i, th- I think it's clear that's a message here All right, let's do Six Degrees for Far From Home. Adam? Yes? If you were listening, Steve actually gave you the answer to this one. How many crew do they say are still with Discovery? 88. Very good. One-to-one. You guys tied it. Now, I thought there'd be lots of ties, but it feels like there haven't been that many ties since we switched to only two questions per episode. Usually, Steve kicks my butt, so. (laughs) That's one of my literal notes here. 88 people came? (laughs) You could have been a, it could have been a trick question. It could have been like, "What did Zara think? How many people did Zara think came?" Was that, I think it was eighty-three. Though I would have got that too. <laughs> we did have the Comic Con at home, Comic Con at home stuff, but there really wasn't much new information released, right? Maybe a new trailer for Lower Decks or something, season two. Right. That's premiering in just a couple of weeks. Still didn't get a date for Discovery season four, did we? No. That's so weird. Did they finish shooting Picard, or are they still in production on that? So I think everything's shot and almost done with all these they series, right? They just finished I mean, Strange New Worlds. Yeah, yeah. Discovery has been finished for a while, but I think they they came back for some pickups or something. Just normal stuff. Picard, you mean? No, I meant Discovery. I think came back for pickups. Oh, so they finished shooting season four? Yeah, that finished. So I'm not sure where they are with Picard, but there's talk that they're filming two seasons back-to-back, too. So I don't know where that is. Well, you said they kind of wanted to start staggering these back-to-back, so... You know, you wouldn't yeah. have like a- They said Discovery season four is premiering in twenty twenty one. Right. 
They said that. Right. And, and they said and Picard is 2022. Lower Decks is starting in just like a couple weeks, mid, yeah. mid-August. August 12th, I think, something mm-hmm. like that. So what, Stranger Worlds, probably next, late next year? I don't think it'll be or, late, or but it'll definitely have to be late. Yeah. Yeah, my guess is, you know, Discoveries this fall, Picard is, is in the spring, and, and Strange New Worlds over the summer. Also, we got Prodigy coming this fall, which everybody kind of talks about separately because it's for kids, but I'm just as interested sure. in Prodigy. Oh, we did get more from Prodigy than usual. Like, we got an actual trailer, and I watched it, and it looked cool. Sure. And haven't we learned that uh, Robert Duncan McNeil is reprising his character in Lower Decks, right? Tom Paris is in there somewhere. I mean, I think it's just a... cameo. One-off thing, right? Oh, or maybe, okay. I'm, sure. maybe not. Because okay. Riker, I mean, um, John the Franks did the same thing, right? Yeah, he's he's well, I, maybe he's in more because it's going to start off with what's his name, Boomer, on the Titan. Mm, okay. For a little while, I don't know. At some point, he's going to leave, but that's going to be more than an episode, I guess. I don't know. I guess we'll find out. I'm probably going to do the same thing. I, I'll probably wait until Lower Deck season two is done and then just watch it all. And the real question to listeners out there: What show are we going to do after this one? Well, let's see when they when they premiere season four. <laughs> yeah, or are we just going to jump into Picard? I think it would be fun. it would be the the first time ever that we could do a show like as it airs. But it... oh, oh, you want to do it? Um, you want to do a lot, kind of like do a podcast after after each episode, or it might work out over season four if it's one episode a week and we go at, at two episodes every two weeks. That means we could go along with the show, but it would really depend on when they premiere season four. Yeah, gotcha. So. Yeah, cool. And Kurtzman was signed to a multi-year deal. Oh yeah, like 160 million dollars for Secret Secret Hideout to go full on. It's not just Star Trek. I think it's hmm. first look with other stuff for Paramount Plus. But I think they'd put a little more money into writing. <laughs> That's the announcements you don't see, like so and so writer signed to. <laughs> we're gonna yeah. we're gonna increase that writer's budget so we don't have these crazy seasons that nobody knows what they have. <laughs> All right, folks. Uh, let's see. You can follow us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash Trek Companion. Our Twitter handle is at Trek Companion. And you can send us an email, trekcompanion at gmail.com. We thank you so much for spending an hour with us. We're going to be back in two weeks to discuss the next two episodes of Discovery's third season. And until then, take it easy. Bye, guys. See ya. I passed it.